Hello everyone, welcome to Deconstructing Rebels podcast. Here is Janut Indre, your host for today's episode. Our guest for this session is Andrea Pop. Andrea is a young marketing manager, technical writer, business development and pre specialist, which helps startup founders and business owners to digitalize their services using web and mobile application. Andrea, glad to have you here for today's session. Glad to be here, yes. Thank you for the nice introduction. You're welcome. Andrea, it seems that you are involved in quite a lot of things. Yes. So technical writing, business development, marketing manager, a lot of responsibilities, I would say. Can you describe a bit like how your journey has started and you have become a marketing manager? Yes, I will. It's quite a long story, so <laughs> make yourself comfortable. Um, actually, I'm actually going to date this back to high school because I think that's the first um, moment in which I might have realized that I have a, an inclination towards marketing communications business. But um, unfortunately, growing up in a pretty traditional family in Eastern Europe, um, as a good student in high school, you're <laughs> placed in front three or two career options, which is becoming a lawyer, a doctor or an engineer. So obviously my parents wanted the best for me and hence advised me to um, go for law school. Actually, my first thought was to go for med school, but then I realized it's not for me. So <laughs> law came as the, the second option. Um, I moved to Cluj and started um, studying law at the university here, one of the best universities in Romania, actually. It was a really good experience, but um, shortly I came to realize it wasn't for me. Um, so immediately after um, onboarding into university, I kept going through the trimester, the first trimester. And I think it was May, my first year of school, university, when I thought about, hmm, it might be a good idea to actually apply for an internship in marketing and see um, what's in it for me. And actually, I got my first internship. And luckily for me, I had a really nice manager that was um, kind enough to transition me into every um, skill that she had. And I think that was, looking back, that was a really important phase of my career, so to speak, because I worked really close to her and um, she made sure that whatever she knew, I knew as well. So this was the moment when you realized that you have a knack for it. Yes, it was actually. I experienced with marketing before because I did social media management for restaurants and for organizations. In high school, I was really involved into communications and organizing events. And um, coming back to my internship, I did this internship. It was really nice. Um, I decided to leave the company because they were addressing a pretty narrow market and they were only their target customers were based in Romania. So all the marketing that we did was in Romanian. My desire was to go global. And I started looking for companies that were still in tech because this had grown on me, the tech as aspect of marketing. Um, and I stumbled across another company. Uh, we started working together. They're actually doing quite the same thing that we at, at Rebel Dot are doing at the same, at, at this moment. It's just, 
slightly a different niche. Mm -hmm. So what they were doing was um, building web and mobile applications for startups, but more early stage startups that the ones we actually are working with here at Rebel Dot. I, after a year, I think, or two years, I met Tudor at a sales management training. And it's a really funny story. Um, for those not knowing, Tudor is our CEO at the moment. And we sat together for two days, <laughs> training ourselves uh, for, for, for sales management. And I actually did not know he's the CEO of a company. I had no clue. I honestly thought he was a student. He presented to me as being Tudi. Um, as we all know him and after two days we started um, talking about what he's doing and how I could or could not help. Things rolled out pretty quickly and this happened in March in July I think I already was part of Rebel Dot. Uh, I joined Rebel Dot uh, on a sales position rather than marketing mm -hmm. But after a few months, we realized that um, I would be a better fit for a marketing position in the company and sales uh, when needed. Actually, I'm pretty sure we're going to get into this discussion later on, but I actually think these things should be and should work together. And I mean, sales and marketing. So if I would have to summarize this a bit into more actionable items. So for example, if someone just started uh, this career as a marketing specialist. It seems that in your case, you just connected the dots from the past since you said you had some previous experience or like uh, desire to build websites and actually expose this information in a more broader way. And then the second one was to actually start to apply for jobs, internship, anti-levels, because in the end you might find something that uh, will be a fit for you and for the company. And the third one, I think it's quite funny because you said that you, you met Tudi, so you were like a marketing position, then you went to a sales uh, training. And then from this actually random encounter, it happened that you got a job at a different company where you were able to mix sales and also marketing in the same place. Yes. Looking back, I think it's a lot about listening to your first instincts and gut. And I think this is something that a lot of people actually neglect because they want to conform to certain standards. Looking back at myself and where I was in high school when I kind of thought I knew what my career path would look like, I think most mistakes that I have done um, are trying to do what my colleagues were doing. And it's funny and interesting and I'm really thankful that I'm not where I thought I wanted to be. Um, and I say that I'm grateful because if you put me to explain in plain words how I ended up doing what I thought I wanted to, but never thought I could actually make money out of, I can't. And I think it's all about connecting dots and making the most of your experience where you are and choosing the experience and the people that are around you to work for your benefit and this actually kind of sounds selfish but it's not because I believe that making experiences work for your benefit is a lot about giving everything that you are where you are in that moment mm -hmm. so I think everything that I've been through 
built to what I am today. And it did so because I was 100% there. It really didn't matter if it was law, design, marketing, or sales. It's just about one thing, since like you are going to the idea like to be yourself. Um, I'm curious, like in the early stages, do you find as being a copycat like useful until you realize or like understand what you actually have to do? Yeah. Or just think outside the box and go crazy from the, from the beginning? It's funny because one of my mantras <laughs> in life is fake it till you make it. <laughs> I actually really believe in this. And yes, I think if you don't know who you are and where you want to be, the thing that you should do is try to conform. Mm-hmm. Because at least you start eliminating what you know that you don't want to be. This, this was my case. I emulated what my friends were doing in order to be able to understand that actually that's not what I want to do. Since you spent like a couple of years in, the, in this field, what did you find what was the most difficult thing uh, to do as a marketing specialist? It's pretty hard to pinpoint the hardest thing you have to do or I, I had to do as a marketer. But I think it's important if you are a marketer, especially at the beginning of your career, to stay open-minded to change. Mm -hmm. Marketing is something that you learn on the job, especially business-to-business marketing. There's a few books on it. They don't teach this in the university. I mean, they do now, but it's really just a very small piece of what B2B marketing is. So it's on-the-job learning. You have to stay open to change. Um, You have to know to do... I think it's a lot about knowing how to do your research, knowing how to... um, and understanding the world around you and the needs of the people that you work with. Mm -hmm. There's no recipe for success in marketing, just as there's no recipe for success in business whatsoever. It's a lot of trial, trial and error, so you have to be resilient. I think that's that's something I learned along the way. Mm. So basically, there's no there's no point in like trying to learn everything and then to apply what you have learned in the in the real life. So basically, it's like you have to be in the battlefield and then you will understand what you have to do and how to readjust yourself in order to meet the market needs. Yeah, of course, mentors are really good. I've had a few really um, important mentors to whom I'm very grateful today. And if you have people around you that can help you accelerate your career path, you should make use of them. I've learned it's much more easier to learn from others' mistakes than from your own. Mm-hmm. And I tried applying this in my life. Um, and then, of course, the internet. Praise God for internet. Since like you're doing quite a lot of stuff, can you describe a bit how a day in a marketer in tech field looks like? In a word, hectic. I I think you shouldn't expect to have a pretty fixed routine as a marketer. Um, looking just looking back at the past year with the entire pandemics that we went through, the entire business, economical, social, political scenario changed. Um, I'm looking at March when (laughs) I remember there were a lot of discussions on the internet about if 
you should cancel your ongoing ads should you continue with your marketing plans or are are people open to buying um, should you empathize should you not empathize to the global crisis uh, should we do business as usual or should we not and this is just one example that shows that plans are good in marketing but you have to stay agile and I think agile mindset is a pretty big chunk of a successful marketing strategy so as you mentioned I do a lot of sales um, and this is something that I've learned it's crucial to understanding um, your customers I think being in a place where I do marketing and sales at the same time gives me an extra edge when it comes to empathy mm-hmm. and being able to understand their needs their problems their challenges at the end good marketing is about knowing how to conversate with your audience um, I think it's nothing else than that and being able to respond to their needs you mentioned like that you have to understand the, the customer needs like how do you identify if the client and uh, the company is a good fit together when it comes to the budget, the vision, and how do you make sure that you pick the right client and you're the right uh, company for the client? Of course, we have buyer personas and as any business, we have clients that we desire to work with and clients that we know are not a fit for us. Mm -hmm. But being there in the battlefield, you find out there's a lot of specifics around the personas that you build. We have our values <laughs> and yeah, there are the five guiding values that we apply um, into everything that we do, be it culture, sales, marketing, finance. Most of our clients come from different cultures. Um, you know that we work with clients from the United States. Uh, we work with um, startups from Denmark, um, Germany, even UK. So I think the real challenge is not I mean, if you communicate your services in the way that it, they express the company culture, then the right people will come to you. I think the challenge when it comes to different types of clients is knowing how to emulate yourself to their understanding of the world, their problems, and the culture differences that mm-hmm. they come with. I'm curious, like, since you're like talking about the clients, what do you consider like the most challenging part in the pre-sale process? This is a really good question because I was actually wanted to take you back to the previous question um, and say that in B2B sales, there is a lot of customization going on and personalization. Imagine that we spend months in conversation with our clients. Before we even get to sign a contract, we might already end up being friends because we talk a lot about their business plans. There is a framework that I like to apply and whenever I um, have a sales, although I don't like it to call a sales conversation, it's I try to take the person I'm speaking to through past, present and future of their lives in terms of business. I wanna know how they came came up with the tech idea that they have why they want to build it and where they see it and how they see it work in the future. So as I understand it, it is also very important to get from each angle the owners of the application are coming from. Am I correct? Yes, you are. And 
I think a lot of the things that a salesperson does in a B2B services company, especially in tech, at the fir- in the first stage of the process is acting as a product owner. Mm-hmm. Um, for every product that I get to work with uh, in every business, there is a getting to know each other process through which we get go together. So I usually ask questions in regards to the buyer persona that they want to build. Um, the challenges that they see, why they want to build it, um, who's their inspiration, who are they trying to copy, um, and all these details that help us immerse in the product vision, immerse as a product team, because the client ends up working with a product team rather than just one person. And there is a really strong connection between me and the product design lead or the product design team which we involve early stage in the conversation with the client Um, for the same reason that I have mentioned before we want to make sure that whatever we build it's built for their users and not for them them being the client and I'm smiling because this is actually one of the biggest challenges that we have with our clients Um, also I'm curious like if you can explain how do you deal from the sales perspective in the early phases where you have to explain to the customer that some of the features are not even suitable for the MVP? I don't know. You tell me. It's really hard, honestly. I mean, we lose clients. Sometimes we lose clients based on this. It's a challenge explaining the fact that some features are not critical for the MVP phase. And you, if you already know that we work in a lean um, manner, meaning that we encourage design first, prototype, MVP building, um, launch to market as soon as possible, um, see the feedback and iterate based on that feedback. And we sometimes stumble across clients that come to us with two or three years roadmaps mm-hmm. of features that we have to build before actually launching the product on the market. And you want to work with them and you establish a connection with them. But then the UX comes in with all the personas and all the reasons why you should maybe give up on some of the features. And it's challenging. Most of the time, um, we get to a point in which we compromise and the client compromises as well. And it's a success story when this happens because instead of instead of spending one year uh, building features that we don't know the market actually needs we spend only three months building features launching a product that might not be that shiny but again a minimum viable product doesn't mean it's not a minimum marketable product Um, so we make sure that we launch a product that is in tune with trends, <laughs> how our clients like to put it, but it's essentialized. Mm-hmm. And this, the entire essentializing story has another big implication. And actually, I was just discussing with this with uh, one of our potential clients last week, if I'm right. And we were talking about the learning curve of the user within the application. And the importance of making sure that, especially if you're launching an innovative product on the market, the learning curve is as 
streamlined and short as possible. You don't want users to download the app from the app store and be cluttered in features that they don't understand. You want to make sure that you, your users find their way through the application. And most important, you want to make sure that they reach their goals without having to get through a lot of different routes in, yes, the, app, definitely. in the application. I think like building like less features in the first phase, is, it's quite crucial. And then you can extend the application based on the customer needs. Yeah, I recently read a story on Facebook and it was a pretty good example that I'm using in my sales pitches. Um, if you look at where Facebook is today and how they actually started, I think I'm, I really wish I meet a person that just joined Facebook yesterday because I'm curious to know how the learning curve feels like. Mm -hmm. because they launched as a pretty simple application and then added a lot of functionalities on the way. Whereas if you sit and try to figure out your way through Facebook as a new user today, I think you'll be a bit overwhelmed. Yeah, I think they pivoted in a lot of ways. Yeah, they the... have the marketplace. They, I mean, they have... <laughs> I remember the days where when they didn't even have a separate app for chat. Since you mentioned about the marketplace, I'm curious, like from a marketer perspective in tech, can you tell us about what are the tips and tricks that you're using to have successful campaigns? I'm going to double down on empathy here. I don't really believe in success recipes. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest mistakes that I've done in my life journey as a marketer were tied to Googling things like what's the best time to post on social media? There's no best time to post on social media. You have to look at what your audience is telling you. Definitely. And this applies to everything. Now we're working on launching this podcast, which I hope it will be launched. Um, and we actually don't know what the feedback will be. So we're launching the first episode. We're looking at what the market says and what the people that we are doing this for are telling us and decide if we're going to continue or not. And one, especially in B2B, one of the mistakes that people do is thinking that B2B marketing should be boring in comparison to B2C marketing. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but if you look at any B2C company, their marketing is really shiny. Mm -hmm. Whereas in B2B, until five years ago, marketing was pretty daunting boring um people didn't i mean i think we missed a big chunk of what it means to do marketing and they were the people we forgot and i'm glad we got reminded now that b2b marketing is still b2 people marketing so it's still people to people marketing mm -hmm. so I think a big part of being good at B2B is looking at B2C and trying to bring creativity back into B2B, um, trying to bring empathy, understanding into B2B. Because we've been focused on addressing needs and problems in B2C, but have neglected this entire B2B mm -hmm. um, scene in which people are actually craving for marketing that that is shiny 
Great. Since you mentioned like quite a lot of times empathy, I'm curious in one aspect, since like you're so in a managing position, how do you share your empathy with your colleagues and how do you, how do you delegate uh, the task to the, to the team members in your team? Delegating has been a challenge of mine. Um, I'm quite a, a micromanager and I, <laughs> I left because I know I would have done much more things in life if I weren't such a micromanager. Mm. Uh, but I've, I have come to, found out, to find out that a big part of being able to delegate is making sure that you hire people that are smarter, smarter than you um, and making sure that you trust their work. This is really important, mm -hmm. crucial, actually. We've recently um, hired a new marketing person in our team and i am thankful and lucky to have a colleague that actually is better than me at a good amount of things um and accept work that you might have done different but is still good enough and this is something that tudor our ceo taught me actually um and it's been a struggle of mine because I'm quite a perfectionist when it mm -hmm. comes to everything. I can spend hours on a social media post. I can spend days on an article. I can also write an article in two hours. And in general, in marketing, your pace is imp more important than the quality of your work. And this is a pretty unpopular opinion. But you have to be fast. You have to respond. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the concept of real-time marketing. No. If you yeah. can describe a bit, it will be great. Yeah, it's simply responding to what happens around you. So we look at we look at this the social economic scene of the 21st century. People are really preoccupied of brands that speak to them more than just their services. Um, they want to buy from brands that value and invest in their people. People want to buy from brands that um, find sustainable ways of maintaining business. So it's pretty much about sensing, responding, and making sure that your message is clear. This is another big part of efficient marketing but yeah back to delegating and back to being a manager it's not easy it has never been easy for me i'm still reading a lot <laughs> and learning on the way and learning on the way but i think you have no chance at being a good manager if the people around you are not better than you mm. so from what you have said like i understand that it's important to have a general vision that you have to describe as a manager and then try to not micromanage each individual and let them to be creative in their own way. Yeah. Yes, more or less. There is a lot of things that my colleagues do and I would maybe do differently, but then I trust them mm -hmm. because we hire them. And once I hire you, it means I trust you. Um, I do tend to micromanage, but I make sure that my colleagues feel free enough to give me this feedback. Mm -hmm. And I encourage candor and building a culture of transparency 
and feeling free to express your concerns and and also i i also feel like marketing should be a fun playground in which you should feel free to fail because since there's no recipe for success you can't learn if you don't fail Mm -hmm. and i encourage that a lot so whatever crazy idea we have in the team we give it a shot and if it works it works if it doesn't at least we know that doesn't work for us definitely so basically just collect ideas try them see how the market reacts to them and see if it's a go or no go decision from that point definitely um i would like actually to uh, to close by asking you the following question what would be like your top three tips for the fresh marketer and the technical writers out there in a while which just want to to start right now and what they have to pay attention on and what they should ignore in the first stages so for copywriters um it doesn't really matter if you're a technical copywriter if you do copy please 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 write as you speak people are so tired of consuming calories in order to understand complex marketing messages Mm -hmm. um there is actually a really good book i can recommend it's by donald miller if i'm correct and it's called building a story brand um he talks a lot about simplifying your message and making sure that you don't use unnecessary words this is an exercise that we go through a lot in our marketing team once we write a script because we write a lot of scripts we make sure that we cut down on every unnecessary adjective and word that's in there because if i want you to read my article i want you to consume as less as possible calories in order for you to understand my message another thing is and i have said this in the very beginning of our discussion stay open to change and don't be afraid to fail and try things out a lot of the things will not work and you have to start by knowing this but a lot of the things will work if you copy other messaging tactics it's fine still like an artist but try to improve if there is any marketing strategy that you place your eye on and you think oh this is nice i would like to try it for my company before applying it put a switch on it try to do something that the others are not doing because at the end of the i'm pretty i don't see the point of guilt around copying especially if you're in a creative field but the key is to make sure that if you do what the others are doing you're at least doing it better Mm -hmm. and i think these two would be the cornerstones of and again read a lot don't just limit yourself to if you're a marketing go and explore design read about interactions read about the mindset that designers have i think it's marketing it's a pretty broad field and if if you are going if you wish to be a good marketer try to combine the disciplines around you in creating a complex understanding for you mm-hmm. be stay close to your ceos understand the business look at your numbers know how to measure when to measure and how to measure um stay close to the team 
a huge part in my growth has been staying around developers and understanding what they do. You have to also know the challenges of your team and the challenges of the people that you're selling to in order to more or less be successful, whatever that means for you. So don't limit yourself to what you know. Don't limit yourself to your job description. Do more, be more, do extras. And that's going to that's gonna lead you to a broader understanding of the environment around you and how to respond to it. That's quite broad, I would say. <laughs> yeah, so I think like, uh, I think I'm on the same page with you on this one. So being open to different markets and different kind of knowledge will help you in doing your job actually better because you'll have a better understanding on what's on the other side. Yes, correct. So thank you very much, Andrea, for sharing this valuable information with us and for our listeners. I hope to see you in the next episode. Thank you as well.